hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I am Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I am so excited today to talk to another therapist about her experience in an MLM and all of the incredible work she's doing now um, because she's just amazing. Her name is Megan. Um, But before I get into Megan, we're going to talk about how if you want to be on the podcast, please message me on Instagram at from Hunts to Humans, or I have an email um, at Hunts to Humans at gmail.com. I am scheduling into December right now. So I'd love to have you on and or whenever you're listening to this, maybe it's not November, but whatever. Anyways, Megan, hi. Hi. (laughs) So excited for you to be here. I'm stoked to be able to talk about this in terms with somebody that like understands where I come from when I talk about some of these things because I find that like it there's a little too much. I end up getting into some jargon and I always forget I'm in jargon and then people like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh yes, okay. Yeah. So do you want to start with your story? I know some people might already know your story, but for anyone that doesn't know, you can tell them. Um, sure. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty open about my story just because um, I started speaking out um, because of how I was recruited into multi-level marketing and the targeting of a specific subgroup of our population that is extremely vulnerable and watching it happen repetitively in my own personal experiences with the people that I really care about. Um, and, and I take that very, very seriously for, for myself. So I figured I'm supposed to be one of those people that can advocate. So I'm going to. Um, so I was recruited into Senegens, which is a makeup and skincare company. For those of you that are not familiar, their their flagship product is Lip Sense, the alcohol-based lipstick that does not come off and will sometimes give you a chemical burn. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I, I did use that and I left it on overnight one time. Like I went to a wedding and then like didn't take it off and I had chemical burns on my lips for, it took almost a year to fully heal my lips again. Yeah. I am, I'm what they referred to as a short wear. It was literally off my lips in four hours because of my body's pH. So like even their advertising is sticky, but that's a whole other, whole other thing. Right. Um, so when my recruiter came into my life, I had known her peripherally before, 
Um, so I am in addiction recovery. Um, in fact, in two days, I'm celebrating 13 years, which is beyond anything I could have ever expected for my life. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I participate in different recovery activities that I've maintained from the beginning of my sobriety. And um, I met this woman through doing some of those things. And um, I knew her here and there. I always had this kind of weird vibe around her, but like, I get that around a lot of people. So I tend to dismiss it, especially when um, I'm trying not to be in like full on work mode and reading people. I really try to turn it off when I'm not at work. Um, so she just happened to be at my Tuesday night gathering of addicted friends. And, um, I was in a really vulnerable place financially. I had just finished my master's degree. Uh, my daughter was under two years old. My now husband was not working. Her father was not working at the time so that he could stay home with her because daycare was just beyond expensive for what we were making. Um, and I was working a job where I was already on call 24 seven. So it wasn't as if I could take on a different part-time job somewhere because it was going to take me out of the house, A, and I didn't want to be away from my kid any more than I already was. And B, I would have to leave my part-time job to go fix a mess at my full-time job and probably lose it anyway. Um, so I was, we were in a really vulnerable place financially. It's just kind of what happens. And um, I was sharing about that and she approached me and was like, hey, you know, I, I hate to see you struggle. Like, would you like to meet up for coffee sometime? And I'm like, well, that's really cool. Like, I could really use some friends right now and, and to insulate myself with some new people. That'd be amazing. So then I meet her for coffee and it's the sales pitch. Yeah. And it's not the sales pitch to buy my products. Because remember, it's not about the products. It's the, hey, I have a way that you can make this extra money. And I just kind of looked at her and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think spending more money is the answer to me not having any money. Um, and let me tell you, uh, at the time, so at the time, I, I, I've been in behavioral health since 2005. I've been a licensed therapist since 2010. Um, and so uh, at this time, I was working in an all-male facility. All of the clients were men. All of my coworkers were men. The only women that I worked with were at our corporate office. They weren't even on the same location I was on. And oh, wait, it's highly unethical and inappropriate for me to talk about my side hustle and try to sell stuff to clients, right? Yeah. Um, so like I had virtually no way of connecting with people to even sell products. I didn't even wear makeup because I worked in an all-male facility and I literally went to work looking pretty much like a warmed over trash goblin every single day. Because why would I get, why would I get gussied up? I'm not there to impress those people. Like, no, I, I don't, I don't need a fixer upper. Thanks for playing. Yeah. Um, so like even the idea of it was really absurd. And so she left it alone and then she contacted me when they were having a free sign up month. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like still no, because I still don't have money to buy products to resell. Right. Like that's not a thing that's happening in my life right now. Um, and then something else hit and it was just, I think it was right after Christmas or right near my daughter's birthday and stuff was just super, it was just so overwhelming. And 
A piece of this too is, is that I have um, chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and when I am escalated in my disease and I'm in a cycle of my disease, I get very impulsive. My trauma brain makes me extremely impulsive and it makes me read signs and symbols as being given by the universe when that's really not what's happening. <laughs> like that's how my disease talks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness it doesn't do that very often. And thank goodness I've done extensive trauma work throughout my life that anytime it pops up, I'm like, yeah, we need to work on this. Um, so I was in that kind of mind frame and I ran into her again and I was like, this must be, you know, God telling me I have to, I should be doing this. Like, it's just so fortuitous that there she is. And, uh, and so I signed up for this silly company and immediately knowing the reason I'm signing up is that I'm in financial difficulties. She gives me a list of things to order and the order is going to be like $400. Holy because when you sign up, if you don't order above a certain amount of personal volume and inventory, you do not become qualified. If you do not become qualified, your recruiter does not earn any money off of you. So you have to be qualified. So she was giving me an order that would get me qualified. Um, and I, it just was like, I was at this place where I'm like, okay, I guess I can try this. And she's like, well, we'll try to get these sold before they arrive. And then that way you're not at really out any money. And of course that didn't really happen because that's not how this works. And, um, you know, over time she did a lot of the stereotypical stuff, a lot of love bombing, a lot of check, you know, she would check in with me and me being me, I'm thinking she's checking in with me because she wants to know how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And the conversation within like two sentences would quickly turn into no, how is your business? I'm using air quotes, business doing. I'm like, oh, cause you're looking at the back office and you're seeing that I'm not making you any money. I know that now. Right. But then I'm like, well, this person is supposed to be my friend. So why does she only care about this? Right. right? Um, and then she would send like these, she, she would send the voice messages and I don't know about you, but if somebody sends me a voice message now, I get complete like spikes of adrenaline going, nope, nope, I'm not doing this. Nope, I'm not doing this. Um, That's so funny because I actually recently started using voice messaging again because I just can't type sometimes. No, I get not being able to type, but then it's like, just pick up the phone and call somebody. Um, That's how I feel. But like, so she would do this and like, she would do it in some of the teen chats or the contest chats. And like some of the women on the team were deaf and oh. she would constantly have to be reminded you have people on this thread that cannot hear you stop being ableist. Yeah. And so she went ahead and deleted them from the chat group so she could just keep doing her voice messages. Yeah. She deleted the people. Cut them out of the group so that they couldn't be a part of that chat. That's so sad. And what's sad is, is that one of the girls was like super high up in the company. Like one of the the women who's hearing impaired is super high up in the company. I'm like, I could have learned a lot from her, but thanks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like things went the way they always do, you know. 
she was all about this. If I didn't make this, then it was a problem. They always had trainings that were an hour away from my house on Tuesday nights at like eight o'clock. First of all, I have a standing Tuesday night meeting of friends. Second of all, it's an hour away from my house at eight o'clock when I have to be at work at 6 a.m. And I have an under two-year-old who I have to drag with me because my husband was now working at night. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I would get kind of like snubbed because I wouldn't do that or I wouldn't drop my, I wouldn't cancel an entire day of appointments when I moved into my, my first private practice. I wouldn't, um, it would have, she would, she would expect me to cancel my entire day of clients to drive to California to go meet with the CEO and founder. Oh my God. No. Yeah. Or, you know, she'd get really upset with me because I wouldn't go out. They called it going wowing when you would go into a public place like a mall and you would like talk to people about the product after having all your makeup stripes all over your hand. Um, she'd get mad because I'm like, I have to work. She's like, well, don't you have to, this is work. I'm like, yeah, but that's not going to guarantee me income. Seeing these five clients is going to guarantee me income. So no, thanks. Wowing. Um, yeah. Wowing. So exciting. That sounds, that sounds like something. <laughs> Well, it's ironic because she also set up this weird booth thing at a Lorna Jane store at one of the high-end malls in like the Ritchie areas of Phoenix. And um, she ended up jumping ship from Senegens to go to Zaya. Oh. But I'm like, but you had this big partnership with Lorna Jane, who was a direct competitor for Zaya. Yeah. I'm like, that's exciting for you. Can I have all your Lorna Jane workout wear? (laughs) (laughs) It's expensive. Can I just have it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I couldn't do a lot of the things. It was just one more thing on my plate. I wanted to spend time with my kids. That wasn't really happening. I would have open houses at places and like one person would show up. Um, I would sit on this product and then I'd finally be able to sell it all out. And then I'd be pushed to buy more. And I'm like, nah, I'm not really feeling it. So, um, it's kind of served its purpose. I'm good. And so I was dipping out and I was maintaining with just running with the discount until my membership was up or whatever. Um, and then I was just done. I was just going to be done. And then she left and went to Zaya and I was placed under her upline. Now there had been a ton of drama between my recruiter and her uplines upline like they formed this kind of like mean girl club and um, would beat up on the woman that had become my upline um, and just treat her like complete crap. And, and I've been very vocal every time I've ever told my story, this woman, my second upline in this company is an amazing person. She's unbelievably caring. I watch her struggle with some mental health stuff that I know is caused by her participation in this company, but she's not ready to let it go yet. Mm. Um, And I maintain that communication with her because I want her to have a safe place to have the conversations. Yeah. She's ready to leave. Um, In fact, after I started speaking out and I made um, a couple of YouTube videos and my, my recruiter decided that my YouTube was all about her. And the only reason I did it was because of her and that I was stalking her and all of the information that I was putting out into the world was about her, um, you know, narcissist much, yeah. maybe. Um, 
the the second woman reached out to me and she's like I had no idea that she was recruiting people out of 12-step communities like yep and the reason why I started speaking out was because as soon as people heard my story I kept getting inundated with all of these messages from people saying that they had the exact same experience with this woman and that, you know, she always made them uncomfortable, that she was one of the least genuine people they had ever met, that she preyed on them in meetings. And I noticed that like most of her downline were women that were in recovery. <sighs> and I'm like, that's terrible. And then somebody sent me a, a YouTube video of her doing a training for Zaya, where she basically brags about how, well, she, she brags about having all of these networks in place already. She's a hairdresser and she has this connection, she has that connection. And because I'm in addiction recovery and I have the grieving mom community and I really push those two places for this business. Oh my gosh, that is absolutely disgusting. And I'm not, I, I, I work very hard not to diagnose her and I don't ever want to make my story about her, but she is prime examples of the predatory techniques that we try to teach people to look out for. And I had red flags about her. I had lots of red flags about her, but I dismissed them that I was being too sensitive or that you know, you're just stressed out or she really does just want what's best for you. And she's just pushing you out of your comfort zone. Her favorite phrase is do it scared. Ugh. Instead of saying, you know, when, when, when our fear response kicks up, that is our smoke alarm telling us the danger is there. So when we're scared, a lot of times we're scared because we have logical reasoning telling us that this is not a good idea. So no, we don't go against that instinct. We need to trust it. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and, and I started seeing a lot of the double talk and I wasn't even really going to speak out, speak out a whole lot or do all the things that I'm doing now, for goodness sakes. Um, until I started seeing the political ties mm. and where the money goes and, yeah. and the, just the insidiousness of it all. And I was like, this isn't okay. And then I was in a recovery group. I'm in a recovery group on Facebook, which saved my butt completely during quarantine. Um, I'm in this recovery group. It's a hodgepodge of misfit people. We're like the island of misfit toys. It's amazing. And this woman gets in the group and she's talking about like an experience she had at a 12-step meeting where she had met this person. They would have just happen to be like chairing the meeting that month that they're the group that they'd been going to. And they really liked what they had to say. And they asked this person to sponsor them. And the person's response was, I will only sponsor you in this 12 step fellowship. If you sign up for Amway under me. What? Yeah. And this person had like 90 days sober. Oh my God. And so somebody with time, I have, I mean, I have significant sobriety. I have quality mm. sobriety. Some days my quality of sobriety is a little lower than others, but I have quality sobriety. And, um, and, and it's my job to guide new people on their journey as a person who's been through it and is recovering actively successfully for over a decade. Like, I can't let that stand. 
I can't, I can't not let people know that this is unacceptable. Um, because that's my job. My job is to protect people that are vulnerable, not help prey on them. Yeah. So I started doing the talk, you know, started talking a little bit more. I am, I did uh, a couple of, I've done at least a handful of podcasts now, which is so weird to me. Um, so weird. Like little old me has this imposter syndrome. Like, I don't believe that anybody really cares about what I have to say. (laughs) We do. We do care. (laughs) Um, you know, it's just one of those things. And, um, and I found myself with a lot of time on my hands to do a lot of research. I'm in private practice. I can sit around when a client doesn't show up. I said, I do some digging and you can't argue with facts and numbers. Can't. People try. It's exciting for them. Um, they try, my favorite comeback when they're like, do your research. And I'm like, well, I did my research. Here's what my research says. Here's my screenshots. Here's my, you know, my complete. And I just lay it out in an educational way, right? Like, this is just what it is. And their response is essentially, I don't like your face. Like, okay. Or you're lying. My company didn't tell me any of that. Like, why would they? Yeah. You're going to believe the company that makes money off of you, that they wouldn't lie to you, but you're not going to believe me, even though I have absolutely no skin in the game about whether or not you stay or you leave. Right. I have no skin in that game whatsoever. I think it's so interesting that people think that we do that. Like, I don't understand why people get like think that we do this for such malicious reasons like not it's because it's what they're taught right right but when you like actually like think about it like like we and I have I I'm very lucky I have not gotten anyone to like come at me yet probably because like everything I talk about is sad (laughs) but um you know like no one's come at me yet and I'm not super active on TikTok yet I I try but I'm not there (laughs) it's not all it's cracked up to be it might not be your platform and that's okay yeah it I'm really scared of like the backlash that people like I know where it comes from but I'm just like I don't know if I'm ready to deal with it (laughs) I will I will tell you my one secret I will tell you my one secret about TikTok you don't want a bunch of like super angry individuals coming at you, but you kind of do because your engagement goes up with super angry individuals and you get more like traction on that app. Yeah. But all social media apps, as it turns out, thank you science for telling us this. Um, so the, the best way to keep the really super angry, big, mad mega huns away from you on TikTok is don't talk about Primerica and don't talk about Monique. Yeah. Or Herbalife. All of those people, like they, those companies are extra heavy on the cult tactics. Yeah. And they send their, their people out with these pitchforks and the cult backing. And even though it's like in their policies and procedures that you're not supposed to engage with people in negative ways on social media, Apparently I've read their policies and procedures, but they haven't. Oh <laughs> I'm just God. saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like, you know, none of us have these malicious like intents to like ruin people's lives or like 
a majority of us aren't making any money off of this and it like most people that are making any money aren't making anything significant um like this podcast makes enough money to pay for my paid zoom account which is very exciting Mm -hmm. but you know other than that like it's not anything crazy um but nobody nobody nobody's trying to hurt you (laughs) no they're not but but this is that thing right like so if I work at I always use Target because I always end up like if I work at Target or I work at um some random restaurant like I don't know what um yeah that works um if somebody comes at me and they say they don't like the place that I work I'm like yeah that's cool right I have never seen somebody ready to throw down about somebody else saying they don't like Target Right. I've never seen an employee of Target ready to go to fist fight or to call people names or to just like, bam, 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 bam. like I've, I've never seen that happen when no. somebody says I don't like Target. Right. And Target's been getting roasted lately because of their fashion choices. Cause ew. Um, but you don't hear them, them complain like, yeah, those do kind of, they are kind of gross, aren't they? Right. Like they agree yeah. with you. If I were to say I did not like a specific multi level marketing product, I would get all these people telling me, well, that's because you're stupid and you don't know anything and da 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 because they are indoctrinated to believe that their product is going to save the world. Yep. That it saved my life. No, that product did not save your life. That's yeah. not a thing that happened. No shampoo has ever saved anybody's life. Like, that's not a thing. Um. You know, and, and the cognitive dissonance is real. And, and part of why I think this is ha- what, what makes it really susceptible is, is that when you surround yourself in an echo chamber of yes men mm-hmm. and the person that got you into the business is somebody that you trust, which is 90% of the people get recruited by somebody they know. It's, it's stranger recruitment is very weird. Um, you know, you get recruited by people that you know, so you trust them. Well, my friend wouldn't steer me wrong or my aunt wouldn't let me get involved in something that was bad for me and then you get a little bit of dopamine bump from it you get a whole lot of love bombing happening and you start to feel good you start to feel like I'm successful or I have mastery or I'm good at something I start to feel like I have a community even though it's not a real community and all of a sudden and, and and that always having people tell their why why are you involved in this well why is an emotionally loaded question right? And they want it to be an emotionally driven answer. So if I have an emotionally driven answer for why I'm a part of this company, then I'm always going to respond to attacks on this company from an emotional place. You know what? That's such a good point. That's such a good point. I didn't even think about the why tactic. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst tactic. Like when I show up for a job interview anywhere, right? Like people are like, well, why do you want, (laughs) I've had this happen at, at facilities right and agencies like well why do you want to work here because I need a paycheck yeah (laughs) and you guys are in behavioral health right and you have hours that might be conducive to my schedule and you offer paid time off um I I need a paycheck how much is that paycheck gonna be because I need to know (laughs) that before I say yes yeah right Um, like (laughs) I just wanted to um I don't think I've ever actually explained what cognitive dissonance is on this podcast. And I know I've talked about it before. So um, anyone that doesn't know what cognitive dissonance is, it's like that 
when you're talking or doing something and you get that like gut feeling that like this isn't good but you kind of push it aside is that how you would describe it mm-hmm. yeah um so I, anyone that that does network marketing at some point you've probably felt this because especially if you're out now um but like when you're doing it and you're like trying to recruit people and you're like oh this feels kind of yucky but you do it anyways because you're being told to it's it's also that place where your emotion and, and logic kind of collide yeah in a way that doesn't make sense for your values right um it's ignoring red flags absolutely, absolutely. right um, and, and what I described earlier, and I talk a lot about it, I talk a lot about it a lot, until <laughs> I can talk today, right? Um, what I described earlier, this idea of I'm in the same group of people as you, so I can trust you, we, that's affinity fraud, right? And, and multi-level marketing is notorious for using affinity fraud. And this is why you see so many people who are of the Mormon faith who get involved because if they're Mormon, they must be a good person. And if they're a good person, they wouldn't allow me to be in a scam. If they're in recovery, then they must be a good person or they would be looking out for me. Even though there are people, even with long-term sobriety who are not healthy people, they just don't use drugs or alcohol at that point. Um, not everybody is healthy just because you happen to have something in common with them. Right. And I think the place where this is really glaring is in the mom groups and the affinity fraud of I'm another mother. I wouldn't steer you wrong, but yeah. would you though? I am in zero mom groups anymore. Zero. Yeah. Because even the ones that say that they're anti MLM and they are to a point like they, they, there's stuff that happens in them. Like they ask for medical advice. I'm like, why are you asking for medical advice in a group on Facebook? Take your kid to the doctor. Yeah. That's my advice. Yeah. And well, even the groups that they're like said that they're not anti-MLM, I remember like being told to go into the groups and just make friendships. Mm -hmm. Like just become genuine friends. And then eventually you guys will be friends on your personal Facebook page and they'll see your stuff and they'll trust you because you built the friend. Like, oh, saying it all now, I just feel so gross. (laughs) It does. It feels gross because it's gross. It's gross. It's it's used car salesman slimy. Yeah. Let's fake a relationship with somebody to turn them into a transaction. They are a dollar sign from the minute you meet them. That's not a genuine friendship. You, when you go into a group with the end result to be this person becomes a recruit or a customer, it was a, never a genuine friendship. Yeah even though the beginning may have seemed like a genuine connection, the end is always the same. They become a transaction. And when that transaction no longer becomes an income producing activity, you drop the person as a friend because it was the entire relationship was based off of them being a transaction. Very well said. (laughs) Very well. And it's, and you know, and, and, what I hate is, is that, it, and I know I, I've heard you say it, that, you know, there are, the people that get, the majority of people that get involved in these companies are not bad people. Yeah. They get blinded by the hope and what they want to believe about what will happen. And because I'm a good person, you are, you know, there are lots of good people in this world who are molded and manipulated into bad decisions. Yeah. 
frequently. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter if you eat bread. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything about anything. And what's interesting is, is that the people that have more of a profession or a higher education level or have any kind of status are the hardest ones to convince to leave. Yeah. Because I'm too smart to get scammed. Yep. Also, the scam works really hard to keep them involved because it provides legitimacy to the scam. Look, we have this doctor who's a part of this. Yeah. Look, we have this psychiatrist. Look, we have this person. Look, we have that person. And they tout all, all that person's qualifications to prove why they are not a scam. Guess who ha- doesn't have to defend whether or not they are a scam? Things Corporate. that aren't a scam. Just anything that's not a scam. Doesn't anything. that tell you why it's not a scam? Yeah. It's like when people, it's kind of like if you read a dating profile and it says on there, I'm not a jerk or I'm not a bitch. <laughs> Like people don't have to say that if they genuinely are not that thing. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Exactly. Like, I feel like it's kind of like the, the dating profile statement of all pyramid schemes. Let us have an hour training on how to tell people why we're not a pyramid scheme. It's oh. just like the guy who tells you I'm not an abuser. What? Like I would yeah. never know. Okay. You know, who doesn't tell people they're not abusive? People who are abusive. Yeah. Because exactly. if you're not abusive, you don't have to convince people. Right. <laughs> Mind blown. Um, so two things that I feel like are super important to like highlight and potentially dive a little bit further into your story is um how prominent it actually is that people are recruited from 12-step programs. Um, there, that is so predatory. Like this group of people that are trying to better themselves and then to get preyed upon by someone you feel like you can trust. Like it just. So, and the other thing too, and the other places where it makes us very vulnerable is these are people seeking connections, mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes these are people with criminal records who have a limited income opportunities because they can't get certain jobs because collateral sanctions and collateral sanctions are stupid, but that is another topic for another day. Um, That's one of my soapbox moments, just saying. Um, It's also people that have low impulse control. They, a lot of times if they have under two years cleaner and sober, their brains are still chaotic and twirly and they're looking for dopamine anywhere they can get it. Yeah. Right. A lot of them don't have any money to begin with and are trying to pay off things like DUI fines or probation fines or finding a place to live or paying their sober living fees or, you know, all of the things that come with being newly sober. Yeah. In addition to being rife for manipulation because they're used to being manipulated by dealers and other people, right? And they might also be willing to sacrifice more of their values than other people because they did it for so long in active addiction. Yep. You know, I, I, I understand that I was way less vulnerable because I still had multiple years of recovery under my belt. 
when this happened, but it doesn't mean that my disease doesn't talk to me some days and tell me, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go completely destroy your entire life. Yeah. Sounds fun, right? Yeah. Like life got too stable for a second. Let's just go blow that up. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to reel that in and be like, no, that's the stupidest thing you've ever thought. Like, what right. are you doing? And I have conversations with myself and I look absolutely insane when it happens. But like, that's me with time. Somebody that doesn't even have those skills yet and doesn't know how to say no, especially women in early recovery, they struggle to say no. They have no concept of boundaries. Right. Like, I I can't tell you how many women I know in recovery who have to go to like codependent anonymous or deal with all of their codependent behaviors because they don't know how to say no to people. They don't know how to be conflict avoidant in appropriate ways. They don't know how to avoid people pleasing behaviors. Right. Yeah. Add in a big dump truck worth of trauma on that for somebody and man. Yep. Setting them up for the woo all day long. And the other thing that I wanted to point out for people that don't know this is that um and I obviously know that you know this, but um, so PTSD, uh, gets very, uh, very PTSD is often misdiagnosed as ADHD so, because it's can look very similar, um, especially in children. Um, so, um, but one of the things that is very similar about it is the dopamine seeking that you're looking for. And the same thing with addiction recovery, it's the dopamine seeking to trying to find that thing that's going to like keep you happy and keep you going. Um, and it's so hard. Um, so like kind of trying to draw this link between like a lot of like mental illnesses are you're looking for those like sparks in your brain that make the happy juice to get you going and multi-level marketing sees that and fits right into that spot because there are so many instances of positive reinforcement that happen in there and a lot of people that have these things that I'm talking about are looking for the positive reinforcement because they just feel so lost um, one of the things that I, I'm looking it up right now so that I can actually like read it out, the, the, the full definition of it. So one of the tactics that gets used frequently in multi-level marketing is a previously used cognitive behavioral therapy that has quickly been debunked because of how manipulative it is. Um, but it's known as neuro-linguistic programming. And I don't know if you're familiar with NLP. I know uh, I've heard um, of it, but I'm not like actually familiar with it. So essentially what NLP is, is it, it ties together your brain's neurological processes, language and behavior patterns um, to create ways of developing new communication, new ways of behaving, right? So um, cognitive behavioral therapy, for those who are not aware, it's where you examine how your thoughts are tied to your behaviors, your thoughts and feelings are tied to your behaviors. If you can change your thoughts and feelings about a situation, you can change your reaction to it, which changes your behavior, which changes your um, outcome, right? 
So NLP is um, used a lot in sales. Uh, it, there's a guy here in Arizona who has his own little mini cults all around using NLP. If you want to be a part of a, a neuro-linguistic programming cult, you can attend one of his weekend seminars for $10,000. Um, yeah. Uh, if you bring a friend, I think okay, you get a discount. So it's kind of pyramid schemey, but whatever. Um, so neuro-linguistic programming is very dangerous and it's part of like, kind of like the Dale Carnegie method. It was kind of born out of that, how to win friends and influence people crap, um, that is highly taught in prisons because it's highly manipulative. Just saying, um, Charles Manson used called uh, Dale Carnegie's method. Just so, you know, these are the weird things that go through my head. Um, <laughs> So a lot of these companies use NLP to modify your behavior. They use language shifts to change your behavior. This is where they bring in the business language. You own your own business. They talk about things in terms of using actual business lingo to make you believe it's legitimate, right? Or they talk about how like, you know, critics, they don't call you a critic. They call you a hater. Right. Right. It's a sisterhood. It's a fit. And so with women, they use language that appeals to the way that women's brains work. So women communicate to build relationship. Men communicate to fix problems. That's right. what communication theory tells us, right? So when women communicate and they're trying to manipulate a woman, they're going to use language that creates this illusion of connection. Right. Right. You can sit with us. We're a sisterhood. Um, we're a girl gang. Hashtag boss babe. Look, the next time somebody says hashtag girl boss, I'm going to be like, you can be a little girl all you want. I'm a woman. Right? Because even referring to a grown woman as a girl mm -hmm. automatically makes her shrink herself. Right. Into little girl status. And if you have childhood trauma in any way, shape, or form, the word girl can be very triggering subconsciously to revert you back to reacting as a child right yeah you know and all of these things that come out like the the love bombing is a complete nlp tactic right like that idea like we're going to build us up toxic positivity it's all neuro-linguistic programming it's not an obstacle it's an opportunity Ugh. It's not, it, it, do you have excuses or do you have solutions? Yep. Right? Like all of these things, the way that language programs how we see ourselves and how we see the world and it gets manipulated so horrendously inside these companies because these companies are masters at doing it. They've Absolutely. even hidden their own lobbying group by calling it a professional organization. <laughs> yes. And saying that that gives their company legitimacy because they're a part of this professional organization that is really a lobbying group that has its offices on the same street as every other lobbying group in Washington. It's so messy. And like the, the politics that are behind all of this and, uh, and I've said it before, but I think it's always worth saying again, politics on both sides of the line Mm -hmm. are very much entangled with multi-level marketing companies mm -hmm. and um that's why they're still here yep um 
mean, that just popped for me, like this other situation that, that I always feel very profound that I need to share about. So I, um, I fundraise and I do some work like um, tomorrow I'm going and I'm doing the, the national day of loss with suicide survivors. I'm doing um, some therapeutic group stuff with people that, that are part of that um, day in, here in Phoenix. And um, I'm very proud of the work I do for suicide prevention. I don't do a ton and I wish I could do more, but hashtag mom life. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I got to keep the tiny human alive first. Um, so I was getting ready to, to do my fundraising that I do for our walk that we do every year. And we had had a woman on our team who had just lost her father to suicide. Um, and, and I apologize for people who this, that that's triggering for, but like suicide is a conversation we need to have. And if we shy away from it, just because it makes people uncomfortable, we're doing everybody a disservice. Um, so her father had just recently um, completed and she was devastated and she was on all those things. And like my recruiter was like, we should all walk as a team after I'd put it out in the team for people to donate to the cause under my name to like to sponsor me in this walk. Oh, we should do that as a team. And then nobody donated. Nobody donated. And, um, and I felt really badly for the woman who had to watch this team chat unfold and then using her father's death as like a rallying cry for why they should do something as a team and then nobody did jack. Um, and, and this, the, my recruiter also had this thing where her grandmother was dying and the woman whose father died she got together with a bunch of the other team members and put together a money to Venmo to our recruiter. So she wouldn't have to work while her grandmother was dying. I'm like, I'm already paying her paycheck with her commission off of what I'm doing. So like, no, yeah. This woman whose father died, I think got the cheapest bouquet of flowers possible from the team. So sad. And I'm like this, the, the, selfishness and the short-sightedness that happens and the virtue signaling that happens it just it hurts my heart because here is a woman who genuinely was hurting and I would reach out for her a couple times a week how are you I don't care but how are you yeah even if you don't feel like you can respond just know that I'm here if you ever want to talk about it like it's hard I've lost a lot of people to suicide um, and so like, I can't even imagine losing a parent that way. That's just horrendous. Um, so like, I was all about reaching out for her and she told me that very few people were reaching out. Very few people wanted to have anything to do with it because it was such a sticky topic. And I'm just like, that's, that's not what community is. Community should have been our upline putting together a fund for that woman to not have to work. Absolutely. while burying her father but that Absolutely. did not happen that did not happen Ugh. and you know I, I hear stories from other people that they didn't have those same kind of experiences I'm going to tell you if I hadn't had those experiences if I would have had just the woman that became my second upline I probably wouldn't have left or if I had left I definitely wouldn't be speaking out 
Yeah. So I'm glad that I had a, a quote unquote bad experience. Cause that's the other thing that gets said about me. Well, she just had a bad experience. Yeah. Yeah, I did. You're correct. I had a terrible experience and not because I didn't make any money. I broke even, I did okay. Right. I did better than most of the people that get involved, you know, like I, yeah, I had a bad experience because I got recruited into a cult Yeah, <laughs> and, um, you know, I then decided that I didn't want to be a part of a cult anymore. And I started telling about facts and you don't like the facts. So therefore I'm the problem. That's cool. Yep. Yep. But I'm, but I'm also that person that's like, you know what? Come for me. Go ahead and come for me. I can handle, I've been bullied my entire life. Y'all can't do, you all cannot say anything to me that could get through at this point. So like, and, I'll even jump in when smaller creators are getting taken to task. They'll be like, no, come for me. It's okay. I can handle it. Come on. You want to tell me I'm ugly? Come on. <laughs> you want to tell me I'm fat? Come on. I like my squishy parts. They're my favorite parts. Come on. Right? What You want to tell me? I, my favorite is, you, you know, the, <laughs> the Primerica people like to tell me how broke I am. I own my own home. Yeah. I have three paid for vehicles. I have a retirement fund. I have life insurance. My daughter goes to private school. I don't say any of that to like have, I have some financial privilege that other people don't have. Like, do I bust my, my butt to get there? No, not really. Um, My husband works really hard. He makes yeah. really good money, right? Like it is what it is. He deserves it. Could I make more? Absolutely. I could actually work a full-time schedule at a private practice. And I don't, I work 20 hours a week. Holla. Yeah. And like, and I'm like, and, and you want to tell me what your qualification for me being broke is. Do you have one? Right. Cool. And like, again, it just points to like, okay, so we bring the facts about what is going on with multi-level marketing and they bring insults about our appearance and about things that they don't know about us. Like it's, it's called an ad hominem attack just for people that don't know, right? It's a, it's a debating fallacy that gets used a lot. If you have nothing to support your argument, you attack the person that is arguing with you. Right. Even though I don't really argue, I just get really passionate. <laughs> I sound really angry, but I'm not really all that angry. And people, why are you so angry? I'm like, I'm really not. <laughs> you really, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> God. Oh my gosh. Oh, I um, tell it's been a long day. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been a long week, you know, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah. So, I, and I know I get a little tan- tangent going at times, but let's, let's talk about the book. I was just going to say that we should talk about your book. I want to talk about the book. Right. I'm excited book about that. I haven't made my way. I, I haven't, I, I bought it so that I could potentially use it with clients and also, you know, look through it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I love what I've read so far. I particularly really liked um, the section where you talk about um, sunk cost. Um, 
I don't know if you actually use that word or not in here. I don't use that word because I, I feel like if I got, I, I didn't want to get too jargony with things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you talk, you talk about losses and gains and you talk about the relationships and you talk about what do you, what are you actually getting from this and what are you losing? And um, so for anyone that doesn't know, sunk cost is that, so it's what you put in, but you didn't get anything in return from. So for instance, all of the product that's sitting in your house right now that you never used and you probably will never use, that's a sunk cost. <laughs> all of the it's time. A, that you yeah, it's that idea that I can't give it up because I've already put this much into it. I've yeah. gone too far to stop now. And the reality is, is that to continue actually has you sinking more costs into it time resources money sanity all of that sleep that's the first thing they always ask you to sacrifice is sleep and i'm going to tell you right now i love to sleep and like anything that asks me to sleep less is no longer a part of my life (laughs) it's just not i'm like no people are like you know it it, we all have the same 24 hours no no we don't no i'm sorry Susie q we do not have the same 24 hours because i require at least eight to nine of those for sleep yeah, because I also have a sleep disorder that requires me to get more sleep than the average human. So, like, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Also, I realized we didn't actually introduce the book. Uh, yeah, so. I know. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get. There. So, okay. So, I saw a gap, and this is one of the things that you're taught to do in multi-level marketing, which I thought was like the only really good thing that I came out of it with. Um, you look for the gaps and you fill them. So, I read a book. It's called Cutting Ties: Healing After MLM. And what it is, is it's a self-guided workbook. It is not meant to replace working with an actual therapist. It is um, available to help people who are on the fence about leaving or at the beginning stages of leaving, and then who have left and have some residual emotional garbage attached to having left. Um, cause some people can leave and leave it alone and they're fine. And they're like, yeah, no, it really didn't impact my life all that much. Um, but the way that it's laid out is the first section is all about people who are looking to leave. And if you're not sure there are exercises involved to help you make that decision from a more rational place, not from the emotional place. Yeah. So, um, actually divvying out what your true profit and loss is for a month looking at how much time you're actually spending doing the activities and how much does that equate to when you look at what your true profit is, not your sales profit, but your actual profit after liabilities in your business. And how much are you actually getting paid an hour? And is it worth it to get paid a dollar an hour or to, you know, be working an actual 20 hour day? on a business, quote unquote, that is not giving you the return for that. Because every time you log into Facebook, every time you message somebody, every time you go to the store to pick up little gifts to throw in your packages, like every time you follow up with somebody, every training, every time, all the drive time, all of that goes into calculating how much time you're actually spending on this thing. And is it worth it? Um, and then it it asks you to kind of look at how it strained your relationships currently and that kind of thing. And then we move into, you know, okay, so I want to leave. This is where I'm at. You know, what, 
what is kind of my journey looks like, what or where was I vulnerable, um, some of the grooming tactics that are pretty common that people use, um, identifying and journaling out some vulnerability stuff. Um, I, I talk a lot about identity and values. Um, who are you? Do you did you lose part of who you were? Um, I want to talk about the grief process because a lot of people don't realize that leaving, making any major life change is a massive grief process, yes. even positive ones. Um, so I walk through the, the grief process, um, utilizing uh, a model that's called the tasks of mourning. So most people are familiar with the Kubler-Ross. These are the stages of grief, anger, mm -hmm. denial, acceptance, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of people don't know how to move themselves through those stages of grief appropriately. And that's where the tasks of mourning comes in. Um, I break down the bite model and different ways that people may have experienced the cult indoctrination stuff, um, goal setting, you know, like it's, it's really meant to be a workbook that can be used in tandem with a therapist to identify issues that may be unresolved or you didn't realize were tied to the participation in multi-level marketing. Um, but also identifying the stuff that may have been there before that went unaddressed because multi-level marketing fit a need. What is that need? And is that need now unaddressed again? Because the other goal of this is to keep people from hopping from one company to another company and falling prey to, well, we're different, or it's a ground floor opportunity, or we have the best comp plan in the business. Um, and I'm going to digress for a half a second. So like one of the things that I broke down on my TikTok is there are a couple of multi-level marketing companies that popped up during the pandemic. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of them did, but there were three very definite ones that, that got a lot of my attention because they were developed by people who were in a, another multi-level marketing company. And this is typical, this happens. So yeah. these people were in another multi-level marketing company. They then left that company to start their own and put their entire executive team and the top of their pyramid in place from their downline from the previous company. And it, it, it's black and white in the way that it was laid out, looking at these people's LinkedIn, looking at the history of their company, going back into their own personal past websites. Like I did deep dives on these brand new companies to see what exactly was happening. And two of them are already in lawsuits for violating the contracts by taking their downline with them when they left their previous companies. But literally their entire executive teams and their entire top distributors are already set. And the companies hadn't even launched yet. And they already had their top distributors. That's if nice. you can look at that and tell me that this business model isn't a scam, I, I can't help you. Yeah. They're in denial because you can see how the scam is developed from jump. With or almost, the way they start. Or when they, uh, Monet, Monet, whatever, Goodness. launched in Australia and there was no products in Australia yet, but there are already people that were ranking and getting these bonus checks and they were making all of this money, quote unquote money from recruiting. Mm -hmm. And then they go and say that they're not a scam and it's not based on recruiting and it's not, it's not a pyramid scheme. Right. Um, what are the new companies that developed during the pandemic that you're talking about? So one of them is called Ariel. It's a CBD company. 
Um, and they are being very secretive about what they're, they're doing, right? They're, they've said they've revolutionized multi-level marketing, but they haven't. I've looked at their stuff. Um, another one is a company called Bravenly Global. Like, okay, so here's the other red flag for people to make sure they, they look at. If the company has a really ridiculous name that you look at it and there's extra letters and you're not quite sure how to pronounce it, it's probably an MLM. <laughs> yeah, probably. But there is a website too that's called yes. like, is this an MLM or something yes. like that? Is this an MLM.com? Yes. Yep. And you can literally just type any MLM in there and you can find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but literally like it's, it's probably a good indicator if you can't, if you don't have, a, if you look at a name and you have no idea how to pronounce that company name, it's probably a multi-level marketing company. Or if you mispronounce the name of a company and somebody corrects you 12 times, it's probably a multi-level marketing company, um, right? Because it's just the way that goes. Yeah. And then, so then the, the two sections of the book that I'm most proud of are that very first section for people that might be on the fence, because it also outlines the change process and how humans, how it's been developed in the trans-theoretical model that people make changes. So the stages of change mm-hmm. and what it kind of takes to move us through those stages of change and what we do in each of those places, because I think it helps people better understand their own process, knowing that. And then I really like the last section that I put in and I, cause I call it cleaning up, uh, cleaning up the mess, like the aftermath, cleaning up the mess. And we, it talks about ways to get past some of the obstacles that you created for yourself while participating in multi-level marketing. Right. So like, what are my relationships? Who did I damage? How can I make it up to them? You know, how can I explore getting my financial stuff back on track? How can I find purpose? You know, how can I deal with the emotional things that came up and undoing all the negative self-talk that I have um, developed um, throughout the course of all of this? And, and I, it, it's not an exhaustive book. It's just a start. It's a place where I thought that people could go to start understanding these issues so that they might be better equipped to tell a mental health professional about what's been going on with them, especially if you don't have a mental health professional in your area who is familiar with high pressure groups like cults, MLMs, um, corporate environments that are just horrendous, those kind of things. Um, You know, I worked with law enforcement. I I worked in, in law enforcement settings for five years. That's a high pressure work environment for people. Um, not the way that other places might be, but there's a lot of conformity in paramilitary organizations, a lot of don't ask questions, just do what we say, uh, a lot of trauma, a lot of stress, a lot of not being able to handle that stress. So um, working with somebody who might not have that background, it's important for you to go in understanding what the core things are that you need to work on. Um, but it's also good for those of you that are like, you know, I think I have enough resiliency in me that if I just can identify these things and understand what I need to heal, that I can start healing a lot of this damage and normalizing it, right? Because the stuff that I put in there, it's not unique to my experience. It's unique to the experiences of all the people that I've heard talking about their experiences. It's about looking at the research done by John Taylor. It's looking at you know, Ponzi-nomics by Robert Fitzpatrick. It's looking at all the things, all the, the collective storytelling that has been happening around this industry and understanding that you're not alone and what 
happened to you has a name. Yeah. And knowing that it's okay to call it a trauma, just because you experience trauma doesn't mean you have a trauma disorder, right? But it's traumatic and our body stores that trauma right? in weird ways sometimes. Yeah. And you're taught to think poorly about yourself if you didn't succeed, quote unquote, even though 99.9% of the people in these companies don't make any money and like 90% leave in a year. If that's the majority of people, then we weren't, the, the system wasn't designed for you to be successful. Right. So it's not your fault. Absolutely. Um, I want to add to the list of resources. And I know I've talked about this book before, but um, the book Cultish by Amanda Montel. Um, have you read it yet? No, it's on my Christmas list. Oh, you're gonna love it. It was so good. It was very digestible and also very informative. Um, I listened to it on Audible. I kind of wish that she read it herself, but it's all right. She's got a podcast, I think. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I encourage people to go to is um, it's Stephen Hassan's organization. Um, it's the Freedom of Mind Center. And they do articles every week. They do new articles every week, but they have a ton of resources about tactics of high pressure groups. He's, they've got some stuff on there specifically about multi-level marketing. It's got stuff in there about other high pressure groups that people don't understand are problematic. Um, the last one that I got, because I get them emailed to me, the last one I got was about some of the recovery cults that are out there, mm -hmm. um, which to me is just like, oh. It, it, it again shakes my tree in a way that I can't explain to people. Um, but like the Freedom of Mind Center, truthandadvertising.org, they kind of talk to you, but they go, they're all consumer protection. So not just multi-level marketing. If you really want to know the real deal, like John, Dr. John Taylor's study, it's long. It's sometimes hard to read because there's a lot of science-y, statistic-y talk in it at times, mm -hmm. but it's, so comprehensive about the numbers and the raw data and what actually happens. And like, he talks about the pros and the cons of the industry. And, and, you know, if, for me, if people decide that this is the path they want to continue on, okay. But you also have to be okay with all of the things that are inherent in the business model. Right. So you can't tell me it's okay for me to, to buy the products and recruit people into my team because I need the money, but tell me that you value other humans. Because if you value other humans, you're not going to want to steal from a downline because right. that's what you're doing. You're stealing from a downline. Real salespeople, when you're in a real sales job that's commissioned-based, if I sell the product, I get all of the commission. My boss does not get a portion of my commission just because he may have hired me. Right. That is what's happening in MLM and people get caught up in the product. It's not about the product. It's about the fact that somebody else is making money off of the work that I'm doing when that money should be coming to me. 
because I invested the time, I invested the resources, and I am getting the minimal amount of return off of that. And the only reason this person who's never met me, who's five lines up from me, is because they recruited somebody who recruited somebody who recruited somebody. Yeah. It's the, the products are a red herring, and I feel like we constantly have to re-educate about the fact that it's not about the products, but because we don't think like sociopathic, greedy people, mm-hmm. we forget that, and we want to make it about the product. It's right. not about the product. If the product was that amazing, they would have a legitimate sales force or have it on shelves, or I don't know, you wouldn't have to pay to advertise it for them. Right. I, have, I don't know of any advertiser who tells, who tells the person who wants to advertise with them. Like, I don't know of any television company that says, yes, Ford, I'm going to pay you $50,000 to buy this commercial spot during the Super Bowl. That does not happen because that's not how this works. Nope. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. <laughs> and, and, and once you see the man behind the curtain, you can't unsee the man behind the curtain. So go ahead and pull the curtain back. Like, just look at it. And if you're okay with it, if you, if your value system is like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to get mine. I don't care about other people. Cool. You do you just don't talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I care about other humans and I'm going to tell you about yourself and I don't like doing that. So like you do you, but at the end of the day, we're supposed to be in this together as human beings, having a human experience, you know, we should stop. And, and I'm also a big advocate for the fact that the 1% of people who do make money in these companies, they are victims too. They might not look like it with their six figure paycheck that they made off of the backs of the people below them. But you have to understand that the CEOs are making even more money off of those people and ride them like show ponies. Yep and have them convinced that they are the actual like superstars of the company and keep pumping their ego so they'll keep pumping the money into their organization that they are going to siphon off for their own billion dollar interest and the other thing is too is that some of them like once you get up towards the top it's a lot easier to see what's going on um and some of them are so reliant on the money that they're getting that they just don't know what to do anymore because what are you you can't go and apply somewhere and be like oh well I worked at this multi-level marketing company for the last five years unless you work for one that people don't know what it is right like you can't tell people who work Amway because they know what Amway is but you could probably tell them you worked at Red Aspen because most people don't know what Red Aspen is but if yeah. you want to go into finance, if you're, if you want to legitimately be in financial or insurance sales, you cannot put Primerica on your application. You can't do it because everybody will laugh at you because they do, because they know better. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. Like I, I see all these amazing people that are capable of such amazing things and to watch them waste all of that talent and that ability on something that is nothing more than a pipe dream it's nothing more than buying a lottery ticket and hoping for the best right and it it makes me really really sad for them because it's a really expensive lottery ticket to learn a really hard lesson and the problem is like with 
with trauma. So trauma victims, and this is something people might not be familiar with. I know you are. <laughs> this is the best part about what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> when you've already experienced one type of trauma, this beacon kind of goes out and is like a homing signal for sociopaths and people who have antisocial personality disorder and people who are crooks and want to take advantage of you. So people who are traumatized once have a higher likelihood of being traumatized repetitively throughout their life. This is what multi-level marketing companies do, right? You're a part of one, it wears down your defenses, which makes you easier to be preyed upon by somebody else in a different company. Mm -hmm. This is why you see people that are in three or four at a time. Mind you, a lot of them have contracts that you've signed that say you're not allowed to be in more than one. But they'll sign up for all these companies or they'll go one and they'll go one to the other, to the other, to the other, because they're looking to buy this hope that these people have sold them and said all the right things. Yep. And then I want to be like, you know, I want to be like, look, Dorothy, you had the power with you all along. Just click your heels three times and say, I won't join an MLM. I won't join an MLM. I won't join an MLM. And poof. You can get out of Oz and get back into the real world with the people that actually care about you. That would be nice. Imagine. Sorry, I'm a little Wizard of Oz obsessed. I'm just going to say it. I love it. I love that. You know, I, I constantly tell people I'm okay with being the Disney villain in the story because the, the Disney villain a lot of time brings the truth to the table. Yeah. And Maleficent is fabulous. So I'm going to be her when I grow up. Sounds good. Oh, I love Maleficent. I was her for Halloween a few years ago. She's the best. It's all the same. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's me. That's what I do. That's the book. Um, <laughs> and this is this is me 120% of the time. So when people yeah. are like, I my clients are all like, you can't, I'm like, no, this is just me. This is who I am. I am who I am. I'm fit in my skin. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm I don't mind people messaging me. I talked to a woman for like an hour and a half last week who's on the fence about leaving her company because it really isn't quote unquote that bad. And I, you know, I'm not having all these experiences and I'm not really sure. And I'm like, look, I will talk to you about what I've seen. I'll talk to you about some of the facts. I'll ask you about how you're feeling, but I'm not going to make your decision for you. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm a resource. I'm, I'm all over the interwebs in weird ways. If you come at me sideways though, please don't expect me to be super nice. Cause I'm probably going to get spicy. Cause I don't do that. You don't yeah. get to mistreat me. That's not a thing that I put up with in my world, um, but I'm totally willing to have conversations with folks and link them to resources or tell them, you know, guide them on how to find resources in their community um, and just have somebody that knows and isn't going to judge. So I'm not going to judge what you choose to do or not do. I'm just here to listen. Yeah. Even though I've mostly talked this whole time. <laughs> this is well, what happens when you're a therapist, right? When you're a therapist, nobody ever wants you to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and then once we get the chance, it's like. <laughs> and then when I do, I'm like, oh, look, our time is up. We need to schedule for next week. <laughs> Come back and I'll give you my answer. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, so the book is available on Amazon. I know Amazon has its own problematic stuff. Don't come for me, but it was the easiest way to do self-publishing. 
There's an ebook available. So it's, it's available in the Kindle form. If you don't have an actual Kindle device, you don't have to, you can download the Kindle app for free on most tablets and phones. Um, so there's, if you prefer that version, I just recommend having a notebook with you to be able to answer the questions next to it, like a journal. The actual paperback book is available on Amazon as well. I tried to build in spaces for notes and continued answers and jotting things down. If you're somebody that just writes a ton, obviously have your journal with you to expound on things. Um, and then I have a handful of them available via me only if people are like, I just can't support Amazon in any way, shape or form. Um, people can reach out to me and Venmo me the money and I can ship it. Um, it just takes a little bit longer because I have a life and it takes me a while to get to the post office. Um, but there's that. I can be found on TikTok at Megan underscore Zona Life, Z-O-N-A-L-I-F-E. It's the same for my YouTube. My YouTube is pretty sparse, but I have some um, small lectures on different mental health things, complicated grief stuff. My entire MLM story is on there in three parts because sometimes it's hard to digest all at once. Um, and then my Instagram is private, um, but it's at that, T-H-A-T, Zona, Z-O-N-A, life, at that Zona life um, on the IG. And some of you may see me in and out of some of the Facebook groups. I'm in and out with, with some stuff and sometimes I drop in and I get spicy. Facebook is not my preferred platform of communicating with people um because it hurts my heart way too much oh yeah but I'm around I'm available if you message me and we're not connected sometimes it takes me a minute to remember to check my message requests um so I'm not snubbing I'm just busy or I totally blank because oh wait I'm a human <laughs> and life happens what you're human, you're human. therapists are allowed to be human what? Uh, I mean, I can put my Stepford chip in, but I prefer not to today because <laughs> it, it hurts a lot. It really hurts. All right. So everyone go buy your book because it's amazing. I love it. And if you like it, rate it. If you like it, rate it. If you don't like it, message me and tell me how it could be better. Oh, that's, that's good to know. But don't rate it if you don't like it. Just message me. <laughs> if you like it, go rate it. <laughs> That's how I feel about the podcast too. If you like it, go rate it. Five stars. If you don't like it, you can message me nicely and tell me what I could do better and I can try. But <laughs> And if you need additional resources, you're like, hey, I did this and like, I really want to know more about X, Y, and Z, reach out for me and I will give you other books, other workbooks, other things to listen to like trust me when I tell you I have resources coming out the yin yang and uh and I will hook you up with whatever it is that you need that I can recommend yes love a good resource resource <laughs> I have way too many it's kind of sad all right well thank you so so much for being here today I'm gonna link your stuff at the bottom of the podcast and I'm just so glad that we got to finally chat me too it's exciting it is exciting all right everyone go buy her book go listen to her tiktoks go check out her youtube and have a fantastic day bye